Hello and welcome, I'm Alexander and this is Native in Tech. This is episode 105, recorded on the 6th of February 2020. I am in Oslo. I have a guest. And this specific guest is a special one because I'm not sure he actually has a surname. Trajol, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Alexander. It's a pleasure to be here. And I, I do not uh, necessarily need a surname because uh, Tröjel, um, which my parents decided to give me uh, as a name, is uh, is quite unique. There are around three, two, or one other people in Norway with my name. Um, I, it's my second first name, uh, but I use it uh, as my first first name. Which is absolutely amazing because, as you say, there are not even a handful of people with that name. So it's very, very unique. It is perfect. So thank you. we are not here to talk about your name, <laughs> Unfortunately. despite that it's a very cool <laughs> name. We first met at the Sequestrari Oslo last year, right? Yes, we did. And what were you doing around that time? Were you doing ADF at that time as well? Or what were you working with? Yes, so uh, in August last year, um, I was working with Azure Data Factory, and I have now for almost two years. Um, and uh, professionally, I'm a consultant. Uh, so I've been implementing, uh, let's say, a modern data platform uh, from scratch uh, with a customer and uh, having the fortune to be working with a lot of different tools in the Azure stack. We're primarily using uh, Microsoft uh, uh, services. And uh, that's working quite uh, very well for us. Um, and at uh, SQL Saturday in Oslo, uh, I was there primarily to, to learn about these things. And uh, yeah, that's where I met you. Yeah, that, that was a great SQL Saturday. It was my first SQL Saturday in Oslo, despite having tried to get in several times. But for the first time, they, they managed to, to let me in. I'm not entirely sure that they'll have me back, but that's a whole different story. So we ended up having a beer and a bit of food and discussing speaking. Yes. And you expressed an interest in going into speaking. I did. Uh, uh, I, I'm not quite sure how I uh, uh, how this came about, but uh, I remember I was so fortunate to be sitting at uh, a table where a lot of interesting people were, including you, and... Uh, uh, gradually understanding that uh, a lot of the people around me were uh, often speaking mm -hmm. at different events, uh, such as SQL Saturday in Oslo. And uh, yes, that I was getting, uh, throughout the night, I was getting interested in, interested in doing so myself, and uh, which is not too strange, being uh, me. And thinking back, I've had a couple of very formative experiences in my life. And before I become a consultant, I was working in the humanitarian sector and kind of doing uh, IT, working in uh, with uh, health information systems. And my first uh, IT training was actually in Zimbabwe, out of all places, uh, as I'm uh, trained as uh, my education is within economics, so I didn't really know much about programming. Um, and my formative experience came a little bit later, where I attended a community session where someone just blew my mind and changed my life. It sounds uh, fantastic, doesn't it? And uh, the session I attended was how to use R to interact with a REST API. 
which blew my mind at the time. I had no idea what you could do with R. It's a statistics program. That's what I knew. But you could use it for so much more. And suddenly I had a tool set and inspiration to uh, do stuff that I had no idea I could. So in move data, extract data using an API, do all those boring, tedious tasks that I didn't know I could do. Very simply, and I had just a reference and a realm of opportunities and possibilities that I had no idea about from before. And of all the different languages that you could stumble upon, you stumbled upon R. Yes. And you're doing all these things with R, which, as you say, is a statistics language from the start. Wow, that is different. Yes, and and that was so. That was my kind of entry into data management through. Uh, some kind of programming, uh, scripting, maybe I'd call it scripting. And of course, I've, I've, I'm not using R on a daily basis anymore. Um, moved more into Python and PowerShell, and, and now I'm uh, doing SQL, which I had no idea about at that point in time, like four years ago. Um, and uh, thinking about that, uh, just uh, attending such a session and having someone tell me about as that this exists, this is possible, and showing me how easy it can be, and the way it uh, has literally changed my life is something that I uh, also want to contribute to and uh, be a part of. Hence, my interest in speaking and attending uh, community events and showing stuff that I can do and that other people can do as well, and learning from other people is, is, uh, is great. Because you see, the, the, the common theme when it comes to talking to other speakers is, is pretty much what you were saying here, the opportunity to give back. Someone at some point in time gave you something that changed your life. And now you basically have the same opportunity to give something back to someone else. And that the whole circular thing, you give what you get is, yeah, that's, that's what makes it so interesting for me as well. So I'm I'm curious, you took your R skills, so to speak, scripting and that kind of stuff. You learned Python, you learned PowerShell, and then you kind of fell into the whole integration side of things, moving data around. That's what you're working with today? Yes. So uh, I actually, before getting into the uh, let's say getting into Data Factory, I, I started working with Power BI as I needed a BI tool of sorts and went through a, a hoop of uh, different tools um, and ended up using Power BI. And then when I uh, changed later changed jobs and became a consultant, I uh, started working on Power BI and then suddenly uh, I was uh, at an SSIS course and then I was extracting data uh, using Data Factory and, and uh, then building a data platform on Azure services from uh, storage to to semantic models in Power BI, which is a very fun and entertaining and uh, fulfilling journey to be part of. True. So coming from the SSIS side of things, if, if we were talking SSIS data movements, are you using Azure Data Factory as the primarily wrangling or, or changing tool or are you using it as a primary uh, orchestration tool these days so when i started off using data factory there was mainly only movement of data mm -hmm. 
there was no mapping data flows. There were no wrangling uh, data flows. And I have tested them out and tried to use them a couple of times, but ended ended up uh, seeing that there are often things I want to do that are currently not supported. Uh, so currently, I've mostly used Data Factory to do data orchestration, orchestrate data movement, and actually move data. But um, Data Factory is a fantastic tool, and it, it in my mind, whenever I think about um, the kind of data platforms and the way that I've used Data Factory, it's kind of in the middle of the whole mind map where you can draw all the all the dots through Data Factory through using it as an orchestration tool, which it is fantastic at. And when it comes to doing the things that Azure Data Factory does not support at this moment, are you using Databricks or what yes. kind of tool? Okay, it's it's Databricks. Yeah, Databricks notebooks. And then you're back to Python and PowerShell. Um. So and then SQL databases to to use uh, to expose data to users and then load them into Power BI semantic models. Um. But most transformation happens in Databricks for what I've done so far, most of it, and then. We also can piggyback on, on SQL whenever. True. Okay. So slightly changing direction. You did a session very, very recently. Yes. And it's the second time you've done that session. Yes. So I've uh, been fort fortunate to get to speak on two occasions mm -hmm. um, around uh, Azure Data Factory and particularly doing CI and CD in Data Factory. So, uh, and then uh, building on my experiences and through the work I've done um, to, to kind of showcase how, how you can automate and you can build pipelines, deploy pipelines uh, using uh, Azure DevOps and uh, using that along with Git and Azure Data Factory. And then this is a very good kind of um, showcase to talk about a lot of big and interesting topics such as automation and DevOps and kind of using it as an, uh, a picture for why you want to automate and why you want to do CI and CD and um, automated releases and uh, continual integration in general. That was a very impressive number of abbreviations. And do keep in mind that my first, the first time I heard CD, that stood for compact disc yes yes i am that old could we backtrack a bit and first of all what is ci cd yes this is uh i often get uh stumble upon these uh, and use them for different things so you have uh, many ways so, so cd could be continual deployment it could be continuous uh, delivery there's there's many many forms of uh, talking about this so just to simplify it, um, the way I see it is that, I don't know, Alexander, uh, have you ever um, been in a position where you want to do a deployment and you want to put something into production? Sure. And you're anxious if it will work? Yes, I know myself. So yes, I'm very anxious if it works. And if, it, uh, if something wrong happens, then we might have a big or small issue depending on whatever we have around ourselves to support ourselves. Mm -hmm. So this is the main issue that I see that CI and CD wants to solve. In my head, if you implement processes um, ar around your deployment, around your collaboration on code, on features to, do, to build a data platform, to build ETL pipelines or whatever you want to do using Data Factory or 
whatever other tools or a traditional application development. Putting something into production shouldn't be any more uh, anxiously giving you any more angst than picking up a cup of coffee. Okay. Which is a very simple thing. It's done in five minutes. You do it every day. You do it many times a day. At least I do too many times a day. Um, and so let's break apart. So that's kind of where we want to get to. We want to do, uh, be able to have many small releases frequently, uh, taking out human elements of error, uh, making things automated, simple, menial, uh, instead of having something very big, something very risky, something very, yeah, complicated. So basically slicing the elephant into smaller chunks that you can consume. Yes. All right. And CI and CD, let's talk about the CI bit first. So um, continual integration. So the problem continuous integration wants to solve for us is the problem of collaboration. So if, if I'm by myself, I'm creating something for myself, then the kind of the, the CI bit is not very interesting because there are no one else to kind of create issues for me. But if we're a big team and we're trying to collaborate on a common code base, we don't want to end up in a situation where I'm working on my feature and you, Alexander, are working on your feature and then we're running off and we are solving tidbits here and there and then I'm solving something in this space of the code and you're solving something slightly different, making changes in the same place. And then we have a merge conflict. Then we have to spend time on getting back together to, to make our features work together. That's why we want to try to avoid using continuous integration where we continually go back to our collaboration branch, frequently check off our changes against each other, and then in the process, maybe also do some smoke tests. So just turn it on, check that the syntax is correct, that nothing obvious is wrong with this code. And if, it, uh, if we do that and then it all seems fine, then likely we're not doing something terribly wrong at this point. So this, it, it sounds like this is not a technical tool per se. This is more like a mindset and a, a process. So um, introducing another abbreviation so we can talk about DevOps, which is the concatenation of development and operations. Um, so I would say DevOps is kind of the cultural aspects around making... Um, around minimizing the time from a feature is uh, being built until it's running in production. And then the CI and the CD part is uh, more, uh, at least how I see it, more on the implementation, on the tooling, on the processes being implemented to allow this to happen. So DevOps is the idea, CI, CD is the, the concept of how to do it, and then we actually need to use a set of tools to implement CI, CD. Yes. And from Data Factory perspective, for the CI part, uh, which is mostly around version control, collaboration, checking code syntax, uh, in this case, we get a lot of help from the Data Factory that is integrated with Git. So we can integrate Data Factory with GitHub or with uh, Azure DevOps uh, Git repositories. And then we have a um, pretty, pretty good process to build feature branches and then push these through to a master collaboration branch and we get uh, quite a bit of help to to ensure that that is a smooth process the whole 
collaboration branch and that kind of stuff, is that inside of Azure DevOps? And it's Azure DevOps basically in the driver's seat when it comes to pushing everything through the whole uh, chain of, of DevOps and, and CICD stuff? So it could be Azure DevOps holding the Git repository or GitHub. And then we, we solve the problem of getting the data factory described in code. When we have it described in code, uh, we, could, we could do something which I perceive as a build where we publish our code base into uh, an ARM template, which is the Azure Resource Management template, which um, is what we can deploy to our data factory. And then we are leaving the realm of uh, integration towards continuous delivery, the CD part, where we talk about, okay, so now we have, um, we are, we have the process of collaborating on features in data factory. We want to uh, help us script and automate the deployment of this so that it's not a manual checklist process, which is error prone, which uh, we don't want to do. Um, and yeah, that's where we, that's where at least I use Azure DevOps. Cool. This has given me a, a whole new insight into a lot of things. I, I actually started my career in IT as a programmer and everybody is in agreement that it is a good thing that I am no longer a programmer. Let's just say that. I'm, I'm much better at, at, at breaking things in the infrastructure world. But taking all these things, it sounds like the, the core components are infrastructure as code. And as it is code, it can be treated in a way that you cannot treat the classical infrastructure. And the key to this is the ARM or the, the Azure Resource Manager, right? So the ARM template will help us to, to parameterize through infrastructure as code, as you say, and then we can automate that deployment into other data factories, or we could potentially create a standardized uh, a package to do to to move data uh, that we can use in different, not just within the same project, but in the same use case on different locations or um, using the ARM template for that. How reusable would you say that your your design is? I mean, it, it takes some time to set all these steps up. I, it, it, it doesn't sound like it's something you step up to the mm. lectern and whip something up in 15 minutes and yeah and by the way this is it's not harder than this and then you walk off so all these hard work that you put into creating a is pipeline a good word or a bad word in this case because they're a good word yeah okay yeah so all the all this this that you put into creating your pipeline how easy is it to reuse this if you were to go to another customer and solve kind of conceptually the same problem so it will be quite reusable. There's uh, when I initially set this up, I followed the how to do CI/CD in Data Factory a help article from Microsoft, which describes uh, these steps. And of course, uh, being quite new to this, it took me quite a while to kind of thoroughly read and understand each step, and then to set it up. It, it was not necessarily a cakewalk, um, and. Uh, it takes some time to set up, and then there are some some issues that you can run into or will run into uh, while doing this. Uh, so it's not a turnkey exercise, and um, it will take time to set up. And but once you do, uh, if 
if you're in the need to, if you're in a position where actually you want to to be able to scale, uh, which is, and you you might have a big team of people coming and going to do development uh, using Data Factory, then it would be worth the <clears throat> upfront cost to set up these pipelines to to be able to uh, automate these things, and then you'll save time down the line, and you'll save mental effort of doing deployments and all these gain all these advantages of uh, having things automated let's let's talk about the the cost here because i attended the katrina wilhelmsen's session here at the nordic infrastructure conference this morning and one of the things she was very clear about was that you do not set azure data factory up for a small small scale implementation it is more geared toward a a larger environment and how how early would you say that it is reasonable to start thinking about CI/CD in in Azure Data Factory in a project? I know th- this is a very difficult question to answer in a generic sense, but are you looking at two developers or fifteen developers, or is the number of people not relevant? Or how do you think? What, what's what's your your thought process here? That's a very good question. I haven't sat down and tried to draw these lines, but I'd imagine you you want to have at least two people and you want to be looking at something that is supposed to live over time uh, and be potentially be developed over time, uh, which for instance, in a data warehousing project, you, uh, you would likely tick those boxes and then it would be, if you're at a certain scale and you imagine changing people and you want to uh, get these tasks that are it, dep- it depends also on kind of the how important is it to have things running uh, smoothly like what's the cost of downtime uh, can you if a deployment fails is it fine that it'll it's it's not very easy to just go to the previous deployment and do that and redo the previous deployment and get kind of the last working configuration up and running and uh, very quickly or uh, I'd I'd say it's I'd having done it once I'd say I would try to do it uh, quickly and uh, like uh, I would have a low threshold for implementing it um, but uh, going first time um, yeah I'm not sure I'd say if you're two developers and it's something that's going to live for a couple of years and it's a decent size uh, let's say there are fifty users or a hundred users or something then daily users then i'd consider it and would you say that you could actually sell this package like selling implementing cicd in adf as a package so you can just sell that uh, to to another client or is it still it needs so much tweaking in every case so it's more a, a classical consultant gig than anything else um i Sure, you could. Uh, there could be some better connectors uh, in or add-ons in Azure DevOps to make this process even simpler. I've so far I haven't used any of the Data Factory related add-ons. Mainly just set up the um, the standard tasks um, uh, using a PowerShell script to amend kind of the um, the issues surrounding deployment and uh, starting and stopping triggers, which you have to do when you do deployments using ARM templates in Data Factory. Um, I think if someone wanted to build some good add-ons that made this a more turnkey process, that would be fantastic. And that would definitely be something that I'd be interested in looking at. So I'd say, yeah. 
cool. And switching gears yet again, the whole speaking thing. You said that you have done this session twice, and this was the first time you actually spoke at any kind of user group or anything like that. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So I, yeah, so my, my first gig was in Vienna, SQL Saturday Vienna, which was very fun. It was uh, a great set of people, and I uh, got to attend some great sessions and meet a lovely bunch of people. Um, and then it was at the uh, Microsoft Data Platform user group meeting here in Oslo, which uh, also was uh, a really great session with a good turnout, which was fun. And I am so uh, fortunate to also have been invited to join the, the board of the the uh, data platform uh, user group uh, here in uh, Oslo, which is very fun. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a great group of people who I thoroughly enjoy uh, meeting and uh, discussing with. So, uh, and also taking part of the community further to uh, assist in um, having these sessions, these user group meetings is, uh, is very interesting. I usually attend them anyway, so why not partake extra? That that's the thing. You cannot do anything half-assed. You always open the can, and then yes, you're you're going down the rabbit hole. Mm. So the first time you stepped on stage in Vienna, it wasn't even in your own home country. What went through your mind? Uh, will I make it on time? I guess is the main question in my head. I was. Uh, afraid I had tried to put too many things into my session because I want to talk about everything and I want to explain everything and um, try to do that. So it, it went well. I finished on the minute exactly, um, uh, but spent a lot of time to to prepare and uh, I was very very fortunate because I got a lot of good tips from Katrina Willemsen, as you mentioned uh, her earlier. She uh, I was so fortunate to get a sit down and and discuss through, uh, which was kind of the perfect person to discuss this session with because uh, she knows data factory in and out and she's done a lot of speaking hmm. uh, and that was the exact thing i was trying to do and um, so very fortunate there and i got a lot of help and uh, yeah and then it was very fun to do the session in vienna and greater that i could hold the session again two days later in oslo oh it was just two days Ha! Huh. Did you do a lot of changes between Vienna and Oslo? I uh, wanted to. Uh, unfortunately, I fell ill, so I wasn't sure if I would be holding the session in Oslo, but I managed to pull myself together and do do the session. Uh, so I didn't do too many changes, but I would ideally do s some tuning. <laughs> and you're going to be doing this session more in the future? I hope so. I have nothing lined up yet, but I would be very much interested in doing so. So if anyone wants to uh, invite me or I'll uh, probably be submitting some sessions uh, to some locations. You know, the funny thing you should ask that, because I know for a fact that there is a, a small one-day conference in, in Linköping coming up. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to need to talk about that offline. Oh. So what would be your top two tips for anyone who wants to start speaking on pretty much anything for starters top two tips top two tips so personally my main hurdle is to get over the threshold that i can't possibly have anything to contribute with 
which is my biggest and main threshold is that I, uh, if I am not the most expert or I feel I should be the most expert in everything uh, to be able to talk about it publicly because uh, who am I to, to talk about stuff? But um, that's my main hurdle to get over. So um, the second thing is to, uh, I would say, look at uh, Katrina's sessions on uh, how to be a speaker. Um, she has some great slides uh, online, uh, giving good tips on things to think about, uh, ways to do it, um, which helped me a lot. Very interesting. And what would be your two best tips for implementing CI and CD in ADF? Two best tips. Yep, two, not three. I'd say the first tip is to read up on the Microsoft uh, article, help article on uh, doing CI and CD in using Data Factory. And the second tip um, would be to not underestimate the number of um, uh, test deployments you want to have. So uh, I currently have set up two testing deployments for one testing deployment for the development environment and one for the production environment uh, because there are many types of errors you can discover and find and uh, testing is something we want to do more of and do ra rather do more testing than little testing. Yeah, if I find it always funny that people that don't have the time or the money to do something right the first time always inevitably need to find both the time and the money to do the whole thing again. Mm. It, is, it is what it is. <laughs> so there you go, two top tips on ADF and two top tips on speaking. And we are out of time. I thank you so much for coming on. It's been a blast. I have learned so much. And I sincerely hope to see you on stage in the near future. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Alexander. It's been a pleasure to be here.